Hello and welcome to What the Lux with me, Fred Moore, and me, Anand Sharma. Together we lead Matter of Form, a design consultancy specialising in brand, digital experience and content. And this is a podcast that calls time on tired ideas of luxury. Alongside industry luminaries and thought leaders, we explore what truly defines category-leading products and services. In the travel industry currently, you can't go anywhere without hearing about this company. Panorus was founded in 2017 to approach experiential travel and yachting in a different way, transforming people's perspectives of the world and their impact on the planet through immersive and sustainable experiences. These are unique experiences, tailor-made adventures and the utmost attention to detail. It's luxury at the edge of the world. And we want to find out what it is they're doing to make such a splash. So today on the podcast, we're delighted to welcome Panorus co-founder, Geordie Mackay-Lewis. Geordie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Fred. Great to be here. Am I right in saying you recently got married? Yes, uh, I have. Uh, I recently got married about 10 days ago in Herefordshire. And we just lucked out. We had a we had an October heat wave, which is just not what, what we were expecting. But we, we had an outdoor wedding, which was which was um, extremely fortunate. And then uh, and then a mini moon to um, to Italy, uh, staying at the the wonderful um, Rescue for, for a few nights, and then down to to Puglia and just sort of death by pasta down there, which was which was amazing. And then and then we're doing a main moon in in April, which will be um, slightly more adventurous and and sort of polarisy. I was going to say that. Um, firstly, congratulations, but secondly, what a sedate uh, travel experience, given what you're used to. Well, it was it was, it was great. <laughs> it was exactly what we needed. Yeah, you know, it was a mini adventure, getting in a, in a Trinca Trento and just just herring around Puglia, trying to find the best food uh, and at places where there were no other tourists. It was it was great. We're here, obviously, to talk about Panoris uh, and the company and perhaps wider travel themes. But firstly, just to start, it's interesting. You're one of a a good list of people who've entered travel from being in the army. C- can you tell us how that came about? What, when you left the army, what were you thinking? How did the army perhaps inform your view of the world? It's a really interesting sort of segue because the army gives you this opportunity to, to see interesting parts of the world, work with fascinating people and, and other indigenous forces, and sort of satisfies that sense of adventure if you if you if you have one. And and when you leave, you've been in this sort of very exciting, high adrenaline sort of theatre for, for however many years. And so when you leave, it's it's actually quite difficult to to then just sit in an office, do a normal job and transition. A lot of people transition fairly easily. Some some people don't. But it but you kind of some of us, well how do we how do we utilize the skills that we learn in the army and commercialize those and 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 bring those into another sector and and also try and keep that adventure going and maybe not jump out of a helicopter with a shooting rifle but you're jumping out of a helicopter shooting a camera and 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 i think that's it was always trying to i was always trying to sort of work work that out yeah and I, I left uh after after six years really interesting years uh, i then went and lived in milan to run an automotive technology company which was couldn't be more different you know i was doing yoga with fashionistas a few months after doing you know physical training with with a bunch of squaddies and, and so it was a sort of incredible shift that sort of enabled me to just uh, try to transition in quite a sort of hard way just like hard switch off right let's move into the commercial world and and that job was amazing because it enabled me to try and you know learn the skills of running in a multinational company and and utilize some of my leadership skills i learned in the army and that was a, you know, a great a great few years and then but then i had this you know how do i try and get back the excitement of what i had in the military probably just worth saying that you were of a generation that not only was in the military but were 
on you know were shot at it was very raw that experience wasn't it so it wasn't just any old any old time in the army yeah it, we, it was it was a fairly busy period yeah uh did, did a, a couple of tours of afghanistan it was it was pretty kinetic over over that period and yeah we, we were lucky in in many ways we got that opportunity we were unlucky in many ways you know, during that time as well it was just it was a brilliant experience life experience and and something i i wouldn't change uh, for anything and and really Polaris has been founded and you know it sounds a bit cliche, but it really has been founded on, on, on what we learned during that time. Uh, and I met my business partner in the, in the foothills of Hindu Kush in Afghanistan, who was, who was also a reconnaissance officer. We learned so much that we've, we've now, we've brought over to, to, to Polaris, which has been just invaluable, keeping our, you know, from keeping our clients safe to the way we plan, to the way we think, and, and, and we can get more into that. But, but I think the Army, it's a great foundation and, yeah, and was brilliant. But you need that commercial angle afterwards to learn how to run a business and, and, and start that and, and yeah, and, and, and enter the challenge of, of commerce and, and entrepreneurship, which is just as challenging as, as the, some of the things we faced in the army. And so learning how to run a, a business afterwards um, was, was kind of critical, even though it was in a completely different sector. But that was, that was vital on that. That sort of then enabled me to then run another travel business before uh, launching into, into Polaris. Essentially, what, what is Polaris for those who don't know about you? And what was the gap in the market that you saw? I think you, you've touched on a couple of things already, but but tell us about that. So I ran a, a sort of venture travel business prior for about three years. And it was it was sort of super niche and was quite directed in sort of one way. You know, it was a fascinating experience and, and very grateful for that time. But it enabled me to, to see into the very high-end travel world the the yacht world, which was something I'm just completely alien to, uh, and just other uh, you know, in, into the sort of high net worth, ultra high net worth world as well, and and that's 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 a whole sector in itself, as, as you're acutely aware. And so this was it was it was sort of a bit of a baptism of fire, but but coming in fresh is so useful because you you just see, you just see everything through a different lens, and and I just saw big gaps. You know, I was like, why is the yacht industry just not doing anything creative you know obviously that you're creating amazing designs for super yachts and, and this and that but from an experiential perspective they hadn't changed anything for 70 years they you know, there was it was one company really doing yacht expeditions and trying to push the boundaries the yacht brokerage community were just keen on selling yachts charging yachts but not creating experiences and i saw, so i thought a huge gap there after running some yacht expeditions in in remote regions and getting an understanding of how that world worked and the same for travel. I just it was just interesting to see people saying they were being experiential or or this sort of new wave. I was at the beginning of that sort of new wave of experiential travel, um, but no one really doing it. Uh, to, to, in my mind, coming in fresh, I was like, well, this is exciting. This is an exciting trend to be part of. But then the majority of people were still doing something fairly similar. But you could see the the will and desire um, and the skill sets to do it, but it, it just wasn't really being achieved. So. It immediately dawned on on me and and Jimmy, my business partner, when we when we sort of reconnected after the army after quite some time, that there were these opportunities not just in travel but also in yachting, and also in the corporate experience sector, and in aviation. I think and you know we're, we're doing one at a time, but 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 we we wanted to launch a brand that could harness all of that and deliver extraordinary experiences in those in those sectors and bring them together under one brand, and that hadn't been done before. And so that's really what we set out to create. Were you surprised that people were willing to pay well for these, you know, hyper-personalized or extraordinary collection of experiences that you offer? 
I really glad you mentioned hyper personalized. It's definitely the world we, we're stepping into now. I I needed that proof of concept in, in the business I ran before, just, just to see who was willing to spend that kind of money and, and who really wanted that level of creativity. The issue I had in the, in the previous business, it was just so high, the costs and everything else. Uh, and so we wanted to bring that down a bit, make it more attainable, but also you know, by doing so, encourage the rest of the industry to be more creative and to deliver a better product. And so when we brought it down, we started we started offering you know, these sort of billionaire experiences, but for 25,000, which is still a lot of money, you suddenly had this level of creativity and innovation and and depth of experience that that most large travel companies weren't offering at all. And suddenly it was it was you know a honeymoon couple could spend twenty five thousand dollars and get this level of, of narrative and things they just weren't a- able to find anywhere else. And that was really exciting. And that just started moving straight away. We launched in, in November two thousand seventeen, and um, by the end of the year we had it was just three of us and we had a really interesting book of you know, small projects, but they were they were exciting, and we were doing them in a really creative way. And and we needed to start that word of mouth. We didn't have big marketing budgets or anything else to launch with, and so it, it worked really well. It sort of proved that there was this desire, and then the bigger clients came came straight after that. Who are these clients? If it's not too obvious a question, because I, I bet there's some surprises in there. Who are they, and what are they really looking for when they when they do a trip with Polaris? It's it's a real mix. 60% of our business comes from the US and we're, we're investing heavily in that in that space. There isn't really a company like ours over there yet. So that's that's interesting. But we started in the UK and uh, and it's the same as when we, we began. It's 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 couples, it's families, it's it's groups, also corporate groups. A lot of multi-gen families didn't think they could go to sort of more adventurous places, you know, family friendly and stay safe and do it in, in style. And so it's still the same group from the beginning, the same type of, of, of people who just want something different. And they they don't want an off-the-shelf safari. Um, they they really want us to listen to what their intent is, what they want to get out of it. Some don't even know what they want to get out of it. And that's a great process to go through them with. But but some do, but they haven't been listened to before. And so you know, our, our whole model is around putting the client's intent first and uh, and then worrying about the location and where we're going to achieve that intent right at the back end of the process, which is the opposite of what you know, traditionally the luxury travel space do. You, know, you normally speak to a destination specialist who's going to sell that destination because that's their job. They're just going to focus on the safari. You know, I want to go on a safari in East Africa. Okay, I'll sell you a safari in East Africa. It'll be bespoke to you, sure, but it's not really bespoke. It's it's going to be off the shelf because that's what that individual has sold many of and that's what they need to do to achieve their targets. Whereas we're like, well, Let's not do destination specialists. Let's do customer specialists, really understand our clients and their intent and how best to achieve their intent. What experiences can we create to achieve that intent? And then where in the world can we do that? Do that right at the end. And that's served us amazingly well. It must be the best, for someone interested in travel, must be one of the best jobs in the world, being a travel designer for Polaris. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I, th- I think it's, you know, we're just we're just super lucky. We have an extraordinary team of talented individuals worldwide now you know majority here in the uk um but a team in america in in, uh, in monaco for the yacht team in south africa and and in the middle east and so the they are super passionate about about what they do but they get the chance to to organize and plan and design and operate experiences that no one's doing and and it's uh, and they get healthy budgets to, to be super creative and do whatever they like and, and i think that's really interesting opportunity and they get to do recce and, and and in some cases 
they get to host the clients and actually deliver the experiences on the ground. I think that's also really interesting. So I, 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 I they're travel designers, but I wouldn't, I'd almost call them special operators. And that sounds a bit military, but they are special operators because they're not only designing extraordinary experiences, but they're operating them to the highest standards and with no mistakes. We can't afford any mistakes with, with, with the, you know, with the clients we deal with. And, uh, and that's really interesting. You know, and, the, and you know, there's three of the guys just came back from British Columbia, having led a group, um, uh, on the, on this amazing, you know, experience taking a group from essentially sort of free diving on the bottom of the ocean in the Great Bear Rainforest to understand how the food chain and then, and the, and the natural, um, cycle works from literally bottom of the ocean all the way up. We took through the forest, through the salmon, the, the bears up into the glaciers, up to the top of the mountains where the water run starts. What an amazing experience for for three three of our team to go out there and and deliver that. Yeah, super cool. So so I, I yeah I, I see them as specialists, as amazing operators, not just designers. And I think they do so much more than their sort of their peers in the industry. What actually gives you the most satisfaction? What type of trip or what type of perhaps transformation in your clients that you see on on these experiences? What what is it that it finishes and you go, God, we nailed that. That was brilliant. Because it's it's not all about the obvious stuff of them seeing a new vista or, or a luxury hotel. I think it's that uh, emotional reaction. If we can create an emotional reaction, a wow factor, uh, a breathtaking experience every day throughout their entire trip that they're doing with us, uh, then it's memorable. And we deal, you know, our commodity is, is time and memories. And it's, that's, that's where we maximize the, the ROI for, for our clients. We talk about this with, with our clients during the, the interview and the brainstorming process, you know, that we, we want to achieve the highest level of experiential ROI. That's what they're paying us for. It, it, it is like you would a stockbroker. You want returns. We are their experience broker. We, we really need to have a tangible result at the end of, of that project and that they feel that they've got the maximum return on their investment and and so through creativity and, and hyper personalization and we, we enable our you know our clients to see the most remote corners of the planet in the in the safest and the most comfortable way you and, and you just can't forget that and so they come back with these extraordinary memories and they talk to all their friends about it and 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 we and we sort of rate the feedback, and it's and if we're not right at the top, we're not doing our, our job properly, and we we're not achieving that ROI. So it's about starting with with how how are we going to create every day an emotional reaction to create that memory. And the safety aspect, I completely get. When we talk about comfort, there's something interesting that perhaps you've noticed, which is of course people. It's not just about the sort of ultra luxury five star hotel experience, good service, good food, all of that. It is table stakes. Uh, everyone expects it, but people are willing to pay as much for a wild outpost in somewhere that's actually quite basic. Have you seen any sort of changes in that that sort of area of people willing to pay as much for stuff that's perhaps a bit more raw, a bit less sanitized, perhaps? Uh, absolutely. We we pre-COVID we were sort of pushing you know, remote uh, a lot. So and that's everything from it can not just be a sort of remote camp in the middle of nowhere that we we build. To enable you know our clients to see that species or that environment, but it's but it's just on a day they could be staying in a in a in a luxury hotel somewhere, but we create a remote lunch or remote dinner that is just just elevates the entire experience for them. Uh, but it's rustic and it's raw and it's but it's pure luxury and it's exactly what they want. That's why they they've come to us because they know we're going to elevate above and beyond what the hotels are offering or 
or, or anything else. And so I think it started that there was appetite for it before, but post COVID, there's just extraordinary appetite for it now. People, people really want to go off grid and they want to go more remote uh, for longer and they want that rustic luxury feel. But because it's personalized to them and, and you get that right, uh, it, 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 it sort of beats a five star spa or restaurant or whatever hands down but you don't do it all the time you've got to come in and out and that's the key you've got to come in and out of comfort zones and you know which which is what solidifies memories and, and so you know quite often our, our clients will say oh we remember that lunch you know, you, you did on this private you know on this sort of little rocky island in the middle of nowhere that was the highlight of the whole trip or you know not the necessarily the five star six star uh lodge that they were staying in as a, a little anecdote just from last week i was listening to a client who operates experiences in and adventures in Scandinavia and they were saying they had a full full itinerary laid on for their clients of all the usual stuff of boat trips and exciting things up mountains and um, actually the rather kind of time-starved American businessman with his children it was his daughter wanted to brush a pony's tail because he'd paid for so many riding lessons in his life but the one thing his daughter had never actually sort of engaged with looking after the horse and they dropped everything to do that sort of thing that day which I think it just gives a new lens on what is actually within obviously amazing experiences, wild places. What's um, unique to people is very, very different um, and is not homogenous, I guess. We always ask on this podcast questions around kind of trends and, and AI and things comes up. I think you've just, the last 10 minutes, you've just completely given a reason why AI will never replace the um, travel designer um, unless there's any use of technology in a way that you think helps what you do clearly it's a very human creative effort to design these journeys i think we're pre-ai proof yeah i think i think um but but we also want to embrace it so we've got really excited about various technologies recently some some are sticking some aren't we we flirted with nfts and and especially in the studio space uh, which which was interesting and, and and delivered some interesting results for us but but it, but it hasn't stuck the metaverse is keeping an eye on it but we're not overly excited just yet but i think that's going to be an amazing sales tool at some point but ai is you know obviously here to stay it's on everyone's lips right now uh and and we're still working out how how to employ it in in Polaris. you'll never be able to replace what we create the, the really creative personalized piece for our clients that human connection because everything we, we, we do is so human focused but there's so many great things we're starting to use it for uh in in r d in our marketing uh, so I, we're really excited and that, it, it's given us, I mean, we're super, we're super excited what we're doing already, but we can't wait to sort of really understand how to fully integrate it into, into what we do. But yeah, as, as you say, we're comfortable that Polaris is safe in the future. I, I could definitely see you using some of the sort of more designy AI tools to create the most incredible kind of mood boards to help people choose what kind of flavor of experience or thing they're after. You, you can, there's so many sort of micro applications of AI, but yeah, at the, at the center is a human, understanding another human really. You know, we were actually just, we're designing a drive-through cinema in a, in a quarry in Eastern Europe for a client for, for a celebration. And, and we managed to do all the imagery for that slide just through through AI, and, you know, with like you know American style, um, you know, cinema signs with 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 the client's name on it and and all the rest of it, and it was just it was just like great, amazing. We would have trawled through I don't know God knows how many stock photos to try get get something relevant, but but now you know just just that example is is, is great, and there's so much more to come, so it's quite exciting. Just zooming out for a sec on the wider travel space, are there any trends in travel at the moment that particularly excite you? Um, I think clean tech. And, and clean transportation is 
is really exciting and it's it's something i i sort of geek out on a little bit we we are moving into a uh, a revolution in the way that we move around the planet and, uh, and and that is super exciting on so many levels because it's it's not just about well it is it is about carbon and sustainability uh, and i'm sure we'll probably come on onto that in, in more detail but it's also just about the way we we move around so you know we're we're investing a lot of time in airships at the moment and um sergey brin is is launching what will be a, a, a mass-produced helium airship for humanitarian reasons uh causes and, and disasters but also um there's a luxury element to it and we'll be able to take clients at, at sort of super yacht level and cabins eight cabins with a michelin style restaurant and, and a huge dining area and all the rest of it inside a, a 200 meter airship anywhere in the world uh and it's super safe it's slow it's well it's not it can be quite fast but you're already you're going over landscapes and, and environments and things at a fairly slow pace and it's just a completely different form of transport that was that existed you know, in, the, in the 20s in quite a big way and then just disappeared a little bit like supersonic travel it's just and, 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 the, and the shuttle and the rest of it we just lost this technology so it's great to see that coming back and we we can't wait for that to, to go live in the next two to three years uh, and and lead those airships around and i think the same is with ev tolls and, and electric uh, aircraft you know we're going to be doing airport transfers from you know, airports to hotels and just you know within well, one just got signed off by the, the Chinese FAA and, and it's being signed off by the US you know, very shortly and, and Europe will follow. And it's just going to completely transform the way we move our clients around, our guests around in a, in a quiet, sustainable, easy way. You know, trying to do that three-hour drive from Rome airport uh, last week, which was a lovely drive, but but I'm kind of looking forward to doing a 20-minute eVTOL flight from Rome airport to, to rescue in, in a couple of years' time, I think. There's lots of this exciting new technology that that is coming online that's sustainable, it's carbon free. It's it's um it's just where we need to be as a as a species. It's taken a long time for us to get this online, and um uh, that's that trend is is brilliant. And and not to labour it, but like you know, there's a, a whole host of other things coming in, like sustainable aviation fuel that we're 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 going to be launching next month, a partnership with with uh, with Neste in, in the Netherlands. So all our clients will be offered send aviation fuel for all of their commercial and their private flights and, and everything else and just all this technology that's coming online and this trend of clean transportation and clean tech is really exciting let's tackle the obvious question i agree that stuff is amazing and, and what's good is it sounds like it's a lot closer than people might think you, you could take aim at Polaris and all of us frankly in travel industry for, for the obvious externalities uh, and issues that are caused with travel there's there's lots on the plus side as well how do you personally reconcile yourself to those issues of Polaris being a force for good and not and not perhaps taking more out of the planet than it gives? Great question. I sort of battle with myself on this. I think we made a decision at the beginning of Polaris that we would not stand on the sidelines and uh, and sort of you know, shout about the problem. We we would get involved and and try and try and find solutions from within and promote those solutions and really try and promote that change. Oh, it's, it's it's super difficult. It sounds sort of easy to try and do that. It's actually it's, it's remarkably difficult. But that's personally how I reconcile it. As long as I'm doing everything I can in my day job, and and outside of that, to help process that change as fast as possible, and 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 help you know identify solutions, existing solutions, promote those, and get our clients to embrace them, but also get the rest of the industry to to do it. So, so you amplify that impact. Then then I feel like 
we're doing as much as we can. I think if you stand on the sidelines and just make a lot of noise about it, but you don't, you're not actually taking the action, that's a problem. And, I, and, I, and that's what I was kind of doing before. And I realized that. So, you know, we're, we're the SAF, the, the sustainable aviation fuel example is, is an interesting one. You know, that's been around for a while. The aviation industry is embracing it now slowly because it's, you know, it's, we're still trying to get the production up. But the, but the travel industry hasn't really done anything. It's just waiting for the aviation industry to do something. But it could have done something a long time ago. It's the same with the yacht industry. The sustainable marine fuel that's available for, for all sorts of yachts and, and cargo ships and the rest of it. But that hasn't been embraced yet, really. And so so you need companies and brands to say, you know, we're doing this. It's not going to be, it might be voluntary to start off with, but then it's going to be mandatory. You know, 10% of all, pro, of all flights, regardless, are going to have to be SAF. And, and you build that up. And if you start setting that bar, it's a little bit like you know, the butterfly effect that happened with carbon offsetting, which we don't carbon offset, we carbon capture. But suddenly everyone was doing it. You know, some brands started and everyone felt like they had to do it. And suddenly amazing wave of change. That needs to happen on so many levels. And so as long as Polaris is, is championing that and promoting that and, and actually doing it ourselves, then I'm much more comfortable with, with the sort of guilt that comes with travel and, and, and what we're doing in our space, if, if, if that makes sense. It makes complete sense to me, and if it's if it's also not too much of a kumbaya thing to say, I think everyone also forgets that it's moving in the right direction from a sustainability point of view. But the more people, especially when they're young, who travel and experience other cultures, given all the crap that's happening in the world at the moment, uh, the more tolerance and understanding and sympathy there is from a humanity perspective, which has always been one of the big things of travel. I've, I think that message is getting somewhat lost at the moment. You know, it's um very easy to bash travel particularly at the sort of mass tourism end obviously but let's not forget all the great things that travel brings about in so many ways and also yes let's embrace the technologies that are there that it's really exciting you talk about them and that they're becoming much more tangible can you give your one or two favorite places you've visited or experiences you've had i'm always sort of challenged by this question because they're so i'm very fortunate to travel to lots of different places and and um there's no sort of Favorites, I think there's some favorites in different environments, but but I, I think there are some more some of the more remote and, and sort of inaccessible places are, are always come to the forefront of my mind when asked that question. So I think the the island of Socotra has been one of the most unique collection of environments I've ever come across. Um, so that sandwich between Somalia and Yemen, it's governed by Yemen, um, and it, it is just this, this extraordinary island with some fishermen on the coast and then and then Bedouin tribesmen in, in the mountains uh, herding, herding goats. And it's just got forgotten by the world during um, the Yemeni war. It, it's pretty cut off from, from anything. Uh, and I went there a few years ago and was just blown away by uh, by the people, by by 70% of the, the flora being endemic to, to Socotra. That doesn't exist anywhere in the world any, any, anymore. Uh, there's four different types of environments on the island. You've got desert, mountains, sort of lush green um, oases. I mean, there's there so much going on and uh, and it's it's almost great that it's been cut off by the rest of the world in, in some ways, but but I think the people of Scotland need a bit of tourism and, and the benefits that that brings uh, as well. So that's 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 one of them. Um, we, we were lucky enough to plan and execute a, an amazing heli ski operation in Antarctica um, uh, not, not long ago and that was alongside a, a scientific research project and, and just just an amazing yacht expedition seeing wildlife as well but that was skiing first descents in in the antarctic peninsula which was just a very humbling experience uh, to be able to do that 
two vessels, two helicopters, a lot of logistics, uh, just quite a complex operation to pull off two years in the planning. They're really satisfying to, to, to have done that. Um, so, so it's at a very high, high standard and Antarctica is for anyone that's been there, it, you, you can't let it go. It's sort of etched. It becomes part of you. And, um, uh, and, and as your, your point before Fred about people need to go to these places to be, uh, to see them and then to, to champion their, their cause, uh, and, and Antarctica is one of those places you become an ambassador of Antarctica. And if you've seen it and you've been there, you'll, you'll fight tooth and nail to protect it. Uh, so I think it, it is important people go there still. And then, and there's random places like, you know, Song Doon Cave in Vietnam. It's the largest cave in the world. And I, I was lucky enough to lead a, a group through there a few years ago. And it's not like a normal cave. You, uh, we've seen documentaries on caves recently in, in that part of the world, but this is vast. You can fly a 747 through it. You, you know, it's, it's got these amazing gaps where, where the sunlight comes through and, and, and these tiny trees are trying to fight to get to the top and, and then sort of river system all through it. You, you're in there for four or five days. And that's, again, it's just these marvels that a lot of people don't know exist. And if you, if anyone gets the chance to see them, you've got, you've got to sort of, yeah, get out of your comfort zone and, and do it because you just never forget. Incredible. What about one place that you haven't been to that's on the top of where you'd like to go? Is there anywhere you haven't been? Lots of places. And there, there will always be lots of places that the, the, um, the issue with, with our industry is that your bucket list just gets bigger and bigger as you discover more and more amazing um, experiences and destinations. Uh, I I haven't been, we have as an organization quite a lot, um, but I haven't been to Papua New Guinea. And that is an area that I see, you know, Jimmy, my business partner, has been there. He, he ran an amazing yacht expedition there for a client who just wanted to go to a sort of final frontier and, and get completely lost. Uh, and we've run a number of other pro- projects there. And every time I see the imagery and the content, come back I'm just like oh my god this place is just it's just got everything um extraordinary people and tribes it's got all the pacific rim conflict shipwrecks and fighter planes under the water and, and in the jungle um just pristine you know preserved and pristine uh it's got incredible wildlife uh and it is protected by its tribes it has, it's still a large frontier and it won't be for long um everyone's sort of piling in so so that's somewhere I want to get to in the next in the next you know, two or three years. I think that's very, very special. Yes, I had a friend who was um, in his company was posted to Papua New Guinea for a couple of years, and it was seen as the hardship posting. And uh, he thought quite the opposite. Uh, what a wonderful place to be to be sent. That sounds amazing. Um, where do you see Panoris in ten years' time? I would love us to be a uh, a globally recognised luxury brand known for delivering the most creative, innovative, and personalized experiences on the planet. Uh, and, and across our verticals, you know, so we're, we're in travel, we're in yachting, we're, we're, we're launching aviation quite soon. And, and to be sort of, to be not the best because everyone's everyone the best individually, lots of different things, but just to be known as, as this brand really delivers extraordinary experiences and to do that on a global level, which is challenging. So we're already you know, firmly in the states, but that's all. We're laser focused on U.S. growth right now, and but but to be global, we need to look at Asia and we need to look at some other some other markets. And and so, the plan in ten years is to is to grow and and have a, a presence in, in Asia certainly, uh, and maybe some other places. But if we can be globally recognised, that would be a great achievement. Just looking looking across at what others are doing, are there any people in travel at the moment who are doing things you find really impressive or? or- companies or brands you admire 
there are so many people doing incredible things. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm constantly in awe, seeing who's doing what. I think to to sort of pick out one or two. I think um, and beyond. Uh, I've always had a lot of admiration for the and beyond what they've achieved. Uh, they they have managed to not only deliver a sort of amazing luxury product, but but do it in in an extraordinarily sustainable way. And it really led the I think sustainability charge before sort of anyone else was. And and so their their care for for people, for wildlife, for the land uh, is is impressive, um, as well as yeah, it's just just being a successful business. So, so that they're, they're one we look up to, and then another on the yacht side is a company called Arxen, and they they build explorer yachts, um, small ones. So it's an interesting new new sort of niche that they're carving out, which, which is much needed. They also have an overland division, they have a clothing division as well, but but um, but they have this stable ethos as well. So ten percent of the time that when you buy an Arxen yacht, ten percent of the time of that yacht needs to be dedicated to to marine research conservation. I just think that's a that's where we need to go. That's that's what all companies need to be thinking like. Uh, so I think those two, those two brands, are getting it. One's already got it right. One's getting it right, and they're they're, they're sort of new, newer on the scene. I think exciting to see that that kind of ethos. Well, Jordi, thank you. We do ask the same four questions to everyone on this podcast on the way out. There's no exception here, I'm afraid. So the first one is: What most irritates you about your industry? Lots of things. <laughs> that's why that's why we're in it to. to to change uh, some of those, the travel industry and the yacht, in, yacht industry are just full of creative, amazing creative people. And and one of the reasons I love being in the industry is compared to some of the other ones I've been in. It's everyone's so nice. Everyone says thank you. It's a great community to be part of. But I feel that it lacks creativity and the innovation that is absolutely there and has the potential of. I think uh, you know tour operators could be so much more creative. I think I think most of most of them are just sort of plugging in existing product and just you know what's available how can we make that work and let's let's sell that so i think i think that there's a real lack of, of creativity on the on the, on the travel side and then especially in yachting it's just deeply frustrating to see a, an industry that, that hasn't really changed in, in such a long time and essentially selling the same product wrapped in a different brand or color and and with no with no desire to elevate that experience for the client and so we're we're really excited to excited to disrupt that in a positive way, and, and get them on the same kind of same path as the travel industry, just in a much more experiential, personalised path, uh, which is much needed. And it's just um, it, it takes a long time to to get into an industry like that and, and enact change. But we're we're excited about that. Second question: What most concerns you about the world we're leaving the next generation? There are so many things to be concerned about, but a, a standout would be just the levels of of extinction that, that, that are happening. And so, you know, I, I've been extremely lucky to see many, many species. Um, there's so many more to see in my lifetime. And I'm really saddened that my children won't see some of those species. And, and, and you know, the, I think WWF calculated that between 0.01 and 1%, sorry, 0.1% of all species are going to become extinct uh, each year. So that means we're losing between 200 and 2,000 species every year. And it's, it, it, which is just extraordinary that we've allowed that to happen. But I, I, it's not all doom and gloom. I think I think what's most promising about about it is that that our generation, the yours and mine, and our and our children's are actually you know, we're doing so so many positive things to turn that around. So I'm 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 very positive and, and optimistic about the future. I just if we can slow that down so that our children can see 
what we've seen, that would be a, that would be amazing. But it, yeah, it concerns me deeply. If you had to give up your job tomorrow, Geordie, what would you do? Uh, as an entrepreneur, like like you, Fred, there's always lots of shiny things that you want to do all the time. It's it's difficult to stay focused. But I mean, I'm partially involved with a with a award winning vodka business called Gattatop. I'd love to spend more time on that and get and really propel that. Uh, something tangible that's quite different from the service industry and what we what we do. But because I'm already involved with that, probably that's that's cheating. So I think I think full time in conservation would be where where I would feel I could give I, I could create the most impact, but also what I find the most rewarding of, of what we do now is it is through the Porous Foundation and all the great work we're doing on that on that front. Uh, but but it's it's only part of the group, part of my time. And it's so frustrating not to be able to do that full time because that's really what we we should be doing more of so so yeah full full-time career and and the rest of my life in conservation would be would be epic well that was a great tour de force of loads of really interesting stuff so thank you for your time and we'll look forward to hearing lots more news about you and polaris thanks fred it's been a great pleasure being on the show thanks very much thanks so much for listening this has been what the lux you can find us on socials at matter of form and drop us any questions or comments on Twitter using the hashtag WhatTheLux. Or if you're a luxury brand looking for strategy and design that goes beyond the banal, get in touch via hello at matchreform.com and chat to one of our consultants. Mm-hmm.